From Upstate Medical University, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Many factors help surgeons and their patients decide whether lung surgery and what type is appropriate when a cancerous mass is found in the lung. Here to talk about how personalized medicine is affecting the decision-making is Dr. Valerie Roosh. She's Vice Chair of Clinical Research in the Department of Surgery at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in New York, and she was in Syracuse recently to give a lecture at the Upstate Cancer Center on the subject of lung cancer and the role of surgery in the age of personalized medicine. Thank you for being here, Dr. Roosh. My pleasure. Thank you. Let's start by having you define what personalized medicine is. I've heard that term used in relation to an individual's genetic code, but is it more than that? Or is that pretty much? Um, That's definitely the way it's used most frequently, sometimes called precision medicine. Precision medicine. That's the other term that's used and uh, basically applies not only to cancer but to many other diseases. It really um, revolves around the concept of utilizing uh, biological information about whatever the condition is to uh, appropriately select patients for treatment and to um, focus the best treatment on their particular disease. So the personalized comes from, meaning that it's very individualized to that particular person. Exactly. So, yeah. Well, that's interesting in terms of lung cancer. Yeah. Um, is it a different disease in different people? Absolutely. We used to think of lung cancer as a single homogeneous entity, so one disease, but now we really understand that it's lung cancers, plural, and that um, tumors behave very differently in different patients. Wow. So how do you begin with someone who comes in with a lung mass? How do you determine which type of lung cancer they have? And and maybe they have one that hasn't been identified before, right? Right. Well, um, part of our initial evaluation involves doing a biopsy. Uh, There are different ways of doing a biopsy, but whether it's a needle biopsy or a bronchoscopy where we look down inside the airways and get a sample. And then uh, the evaluation of that biopsy is made by a pathologist. But in the last decade, the level of complexity and sophistication that pathologists use to categorize the type of lung cancer has changed tremendously, and that in turn has uh, significant implications for how we treat patients. So it's more detailed? More detailed, and also increasingly lung cancers at diagnosis are undergoing what's generally known as molecular profiling, which is basically a study of the genetics of that uh, individual tumor. And that can inform not only treatment with uh, chemotherapy or immunotherapy, but also surgical management. Well, I was going to ask, are all lung cancers treated surgically? Do they all need to be removed in some way? Is surgery always a part of it? Actually, surgery is is, uh, only applicable to a minority of lung Mm -hmm. cancer patients. Unfortunately, the majority of patients are still diagnosed when the tumors advanced. Now that is changing through the use of lung cancer screening with uh, CT scanning. And so uh, we certainly now see many, many more patients who have very small tumors that are not causing any symptoms. And those you can have a surgical. And those are best treated with surgery or at least surgery is the mainstay of treatment. 
Okay. And then there's different ways to do the surgery depending on how much you're going to remove or remove the whole lung or section or... Yeah. Well, we rarely need to remove lungs, entire lungs any longer. Uh, for instance, the institution where I work, only 5% of patients need to have an entire lung removed. So we, we actually try not to do that. Um, as we deal with smaller and smaller cancers, there's now a lot of interest in doing uh, uh, removing less lung. In some cases, we don't take out an entire section of lung. Um, the standard operation for early lung cancers for the last two or three decades has been what's known as a lobectomy, which was removing a section of lung. That's still sort of the, the gold standard, uh, but there are definitely situations where we see very small tumors that can have uh, other operations appropriately where we can conserve lung tissue. Even smaller amount. Yeah. Okay. Is there a difference between a cancer that originates in the lung and how it's treated and a cancer that spreads from somewhere else in the body to the lung? Yes, in general, the cancers that originate somewhere else and have a tendency to spread to the lung would be, if they're discovered at that point, they would be considered uh, metastatic uh, or advanced cancers, but they are not considered primary lung cancers. They, you try to determine what the site of origin, what the organ was that the cancer originated on. Having said that, uh, we now understand that uh, the biology of specific cancers is not is sometimes, but not always linked to which organ it originated in. So one of the interesting aspects of these uh, studies of genetic abnormalities in individual tumors or molecular profiling is the discovery that uh, tumors that originate in one organ may share the molecular profile of tumors originating somewhere else. Interesting. And so now when clinical trials are done, sometimes we do uh, trials that are called basket trials uh, in which the uh, selection criteria for being tested, testing a new treatment in that trial is based not on the site of origin of a tumor, but on the uh, molecular abnormality of that tumor. Wow. Wow, that's an, and we wouldn't have known that without the personalized medicine. Exactly, provided. yeah. Do you find that patients these days are coming to appointments more informed, or do they, are they surprised to hear words like molecular profiling? Do they sort of come in expecting that? or? I think that, uh, that there's been enough um, information and publicity in the lay press of, that patients do arrive uh, asking very appropriate questions about uh, genetics of the tumor, about molecular profiling, about different types of treatment. They come in asking about uh, treatments like immunotherapy, which um, they've heard about or read about in, in the lay press. Okay. All right. So a little more informed or have, a, have more questions maybe yes. to come in. Mm -hmm. um, well, I wanted to have you talk about what personalized medicine is doing in terms of like survivability and recurrence? Is it having an impact on, you know, the survivability of lung cancer? Uh, very definitely. So if you were to take patients who ha are diagnosed with metastatic lung cancer, in other words, lung cancer that's spread outside of the chest, uh, the uh, survival for those patients has doubled, in some cases tripled, 
over the last uh, 20 years due to new drugs and a better understanding of how to use those drugs. Hmm. Okay. And that comes from the genetic profiling? Exactly. Yeah, which really started uh, in the early 2000s, around 2004, is when the molecular revolution, as it's often referred to, um, started out, uh, particularly in respect to lung cancer. So there's some types that respond better to some drugs than others? Exactly. Based on what type it is you pick? Exactly. And for patients who have uh, advanced or metastatic lung cancer when they're diagnosed, uh, some at least uh, elementary form of molecular profiling is now considered standard of care because it helps the oncologist pick the drugs. So based on the mutations or the genetic abnormalities that are identified in an individual tumor, the oncologist can make a determination about which drug is most appropriate. That's called targeted therapy. And uh, targeted therapies have been around now for more or less a decade. There are an increasing number and increasing variety of them as we've gained more knowledge about the specific abnormalities in lung cancer. And then this latest new kid on the block, so to speak, is a form of immunotherapy, a group of drugs that um, enhance the immune system and help address the problem uh, that's been around, been sort of the lifelong bane of the oncology community, which is the fact that most cancers evade the surveillance of our immune systems, but these new drugs help to uh, allow our immune system to recognize that there's a cancer that needs to be attacked, and they uh, address uh, specific um, pathways through which uh, immune surveillance can be um, ameliorated or improved. Has that, that seems like kind of a revolutionary concept. Has it 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 absolutely is. I mean, it's turned the oncology community on its head. I I, I was looking at the clinicaltrials.gov website recently, which is the uh, website that's used to register all clinical Mm -hmm. trials. A lot of patients go to this website when they're looking for clinical trials, by the way. And uh, as of August of this year, there were over 250 lung cancer trials alone testing new forms of chemotherapy, and there are about 15 trials that are Sorry, in forms of immunotherapy. Immunotherapy. Uh, And there are about 15 trials ongoing that are testing the uh, use of immunotherapy in combination with surgery for patients who have tumors that we can remove. Wow. So this is really uh, moving away from just being used in metastatic cancer to also being used in uh, earlier stage lung cancers. Wow, very interesting. This is Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking with Dr. Valerie Roosh, a thoracic surgeon from Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center who recently gave a lecture at the Upstate Cancer Center. Um, So I wanted to ask what your message, what message you share with oncologists and surgeons uh, today when you speak with them. What's sort of your message that you bring? Well, I think this is an incredibly vibrant time in which to be um, treating lung cancers and other forms of cancer. Uh, I mean, literally, on a nearly weekly basis, we have major developments in the treatment of lung cancer and, and many other cancers that are related to a better understanding of the biology of these tumors and a rapid drug development 
um, and the uh, information that's coming forward from clinical trials. It's actually a very exciting time because, uh, you know, we went through a period of nearly 30 years when not much was changing in our standards of care. And we're now in an era where uh, there's a, a lot going on and a lot of improvements. Do you see um, new doctors gravitating to this field because of the excitement that there's, you know, more to learn, more that's happening, more hope to offer, that sort of thing? Uh, I think in, in particularly in uh, medical and radiation oncology, there's a tremendous exciting, but it, excitement, but there's also a lot that affects the surgical management of patients, and it's extremely important that uh, we as surgeons be involved in the clinical trials that are going on in this area, uh, in the, in the uh, sort of incorporation of uh, what we call multimodality treatment, which is combining uh, treatments other than surgery uh, along with surgery in the treatment of our patients. And so surgery may not always be the first thing that's done or, or the thing that's done at all, but there may be another therapy that's tried first and then surgery? So, the, yes, there, there are really two ways that uh, cancer drugs, whether it's chemotherapy or immunotherapy or targeted therapies, are used in conjunction with surgery. There's something called neoadjuvant therapy or induction therapy, which means those drugs are given to the patient before surgery. And then adjuvant therapy, which means that they're given after surgery. Okay. All right. Well, um, what do you believe the future holds with regard to treatment of lung cancer? If you had to fast forward, um, what do you see on the far horizon? Is We've I, already I, lowered the or in, improved the survivability quite a bit. Will that continue to be? Oh, I, th I think so. I think so. This is, uh, but there's a combination. What's improved the landscape here is a combination of prevention through public health smoking cessation efforts, which have been pretty successful in, in this country, although we have still a lot of room to, for improvement right. in that area, uh, but are really um, important to pursue in the developing, in developing countries around the world. Where, where smoking been, is still? Smoking is um, very prevalent. Um, so that's partly that, which has changed the landscape. It's partly screening for lung cancer, so it's sort of analogous to getting a mammogram or a pap smear or having a colonoscopy. It's the same kind of <laughs> early detection, uh, which we now know improves survival, decreases mortality uh, in patients with lung cancer. And then um, this whole era of personalized medicine where we can make decisions about treatment, be that uh, surgery, drug treatment of some sort, uh, or to some extent even radiation treatment based on individualized uh, treatment of the patient and understanding the biology of the tumor in that particular patient. And being able to predict how it will work. and Right. Very interesting. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here. My guest has been Dr. Valerie Roosh, a thoracic surgeon from Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center who visited Syracuse recently for a lecture at the Upstate Cancer Center. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.